Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another edition of DMN's One on One. And today I'm joined by Jason Kemp, who's Managing Director e commerce at Future PLC. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. And we're inflicting two English accents <laughs> on our listeners today. You're based in the UK? I am, yes. Yeah, I live in the UK, but I spend, at the moment, I'm spending about 70% of my time here in the US. So what, what kind of thing do you do? Is it looking at you know, seeing customers, that kind of thing? Uh, no, actually, we, we, we recent, recently acquired um, the consumer arm of Perch, so I'm really right. busy integrating that and looking at the e-commerce opportunities that come out of that acquisition. Very interesting. Okay, so our topic today is going to be uh, the way shoppers buy is changing, something we're all kind of aware of, and as shoppers ourselves, our habits are changing, but Jason's going to be able to give us some granular insight into that but just as background um, for anyone who doesn't know tell us what Future PLC does. Uh, so Future is, um, is a media company we run events we have magazines and we obviously have digital brands um, and we have a very diverse monetization strategy across those so uh, e-commerce is one of those for our digital brands where um, we uh, qualify customers and pass them across to retailers. So I'm a retailer by background, so mm -hmm. to me e-commerce traditionally means um, buying something, shipping it to a customer and then taking 40% of it back as returns. <laughs> um, what uh, what e-commerce means in this context is um, we have a relationship with a number of partners and we inform and qualify customers and pass them across uh, to the retail partners and, and they make the transaction and handle all the difficult stuff. Right. Are we talking about um, fairly considered purchases here? Because I would think like your everyday shopping doesn't require No, yeah, it's, it's things where there's a lot of um, a, a lot of data or information or comparison that you need to make. Oh, so I, um, it, it, I, I liken it this way. Um, in the olden days when I started in retail, you would go into a shop and there would be a salesperson there and they would tell you the virtues of the 10 or 15 products that they might have in the store that you might be interested in. Uh, in the world of the internet, all of the products in the world are ostensibly available to you. So how yeah. do you, without a human interaction, qualify what product is the right one for you? So Future started out in magazines mm -hmm. and they were writing lots of product reviews and so on and they realized that online there's gonna be an increasing need for that as people go into the digital world and to, into e-commerce. Um, and so we, our content answers the question, is this the right product for us? And my job as part of the e-commerce team is to then help people understand where they can buy that for the best price. Okay, so shoppers are changing their habits, that's obvious. But it's not just as simple as, I used to go to a shop, now I buy stuff online. It's more complicated than that, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. I mean, the first thing is there's a there's a paradox of choice. You know, if you walk into Macy's or you, there is a certain amount of SKUs that they can have on display for any product category, but when you type something into Google, laptops, there are infinite choices, and and there's nobody there that can really help you to understand. So uh, often people will visit multiple different sites to understand their own needs better and help them to articulate perhaps unarticulated expectations mm -hmm. that they have in their mind that they think, oh, I need a laptop, but they don't really know what they want it or they can't articulate what they want it for and using content online helps them to understand that. Do they want it more for photographs or do they want it for music or do they just want it as an access point to the internet? So it's, it, that's becoming more, makes it more complex so there's less human interaction, direct person to person. Yeah, but the, the customer journey, whether we're talking about B2B buying you know, huge operating systems or whether we're talking about you know, looking for, as you say, a laptop. 
The customer journey takes place most of it now before anyone ever talks to a sales representative. Exactly, and we know that a lot of people that read our content end up and go and transact in store, a, a, big, a big percentage of them. Um, and that's great because we're, we're sending more informed customers into stores who know you know, almost as much as the salespeople on the sales floor because they've researched that product category in depth themselves. So they know more about what it is they want and they go in and get a, a better product as a result of it. Okay. Now, what kind of voices are they listening to online? Are they, are they listening to the brands? Are they listening to influencers? Are they reading reviews by their peers? What, what, what's really driving their um, research? There's a, there's a number of things. All of those, depending potentially on your demographics. Mm -hmm. So influencers, certainly at the younger age range, are, are very powerful. Um, but industry expertise counts for a huge amount. And Google's recognized that recently as it tries to become more human in its approach. Um, and it understands when somebody's writing something that they are an expert in it because it looks at their portfolio of content and so on. And so that means an awful lot. And, and that's where we specialize is in taking industry experts and looking at products and giving a very honest opinion of their merits and their suitability in different scenarios. So it might be really good uh, for you in this particular scenario, but not so good if you want it for that. That kind of content is, is becoming more and more valuable. So experts, but not necessarily brand representatives. No, yeah, no. Okay, now, you mentioned that people still like to transact very often in a physical store. It seems to me that there was a lot of talk over the last two or three years about physical stores going away. We're always hearing that another major chain was about to close down. But if anything, it seems to me now that digital is kind of reinvigorating the physical environment. It's actually physical stores are learning how to exploit the existence of the whole digital network. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, the the omni-channel consumer, as um, retail consultants, as I used to be, would like to call them, <laughs> um, that, that's definitely uh, definitely happening. There's, there's different types of retailers. There were those that were frightened of the internet and didn't embrace it, right. and there were those that did. And, and if we look still today, 80% of transactions happen in a physical store. So understanding the consumer journey through perhaps content that's out there and impartial through to a retailer's website and even if they don't transact on that website but then go into a store and make that transaction that that's a very common path um, and the the shopping malls uh, are having to evolve to uh, to accommodate that and um, the way that they display products the knowledge that their staff have to have right. is far greater because you can within three or four reading three or four pages of a product review, learn more about a product than somebody who's in the store with thousands of products to learn about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of challenges that come from embracing the internet in physical and online retail. This is it's just kind of an off the wall question. Have you looked at location? Because I mean, it's another thing where, where stores can exploit digital channels to know where customers are, who's in the area, who should get an offer, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, so that's the, that's the great thing about big data, you know. Um, Amazon actually launched its bookshop and it, it will have almost certainly, knowing how they <laughs> use data, absolutely triangulated to within an inch of its life exactly where they wanted that store to be. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's really uh, a very powerful source of, of that kind of data. Okay. Now, it is the season. Um, well, we're recording this. Which season is it? Well, in the States, we're between Thanksgiving and uh, Hanukkah has just started. We have Christmas coming over the horizon. 
Now, shopping season, I sometimes wonder, like, when isn't it the season? It seems to be almost year-round holiday shopping now. Yeah, you're right, it does. I mean, as you all know, in the UK it starts in November and it goes through to the middle of January. (laughs) So we kind of consider peak trading to be uh, from November right the way through to, yeah, probably middle or end of January. So what have you been seeing anything interesting this year, any interesting trends? Uh, yeah, so there's a continuation of the trend in smart home. Um, over Cyber Weekend, we sold an Alexa device every two minutes. Oh, wow. So um, yeah, that's a clear sign of where things are going. Um, we've seen um, we've seen Samsung devices overtake iPhone in popularity in terms of the transactions that have been made. Yeah. Um, and this season, particularly in the US, there seems to be a big trend towards people buying 55-inch and 65-inch TVs, which. To us English people seem enormous, <laughs> but in the context of the US consumer, that yep. seems to be for a kind of replacement second TV or an additional second TV rather than the primary one. So not upgrading their primary TV, but investing in additional or upgrading extra units. Someone so, in my home did that on Black Friday, so I uh, yeah. <laughs> that's certainly a trend. Um, but, uh, I mean... For marketers, this must be almost a year-round thing because if you're going to launch campaigns and, you know, offers are targeted offers and have the right inventory for the November-December period, you have to start planning way before that, don't you? Yes, indeed. So, I mean, I, I know as a retailer that, I, that Christmas would start in, in June and in, and in future it's no, it's no different. We start planning for the holiday period or peak trading as early as that. Um, and in fact, some of the things we do are immediately afterwards we start laying the foundations for the next season. But particularly as a retailer, you are having to be at least six months, if not a year ahead of the, the trends and where you expect consumers to be. Um, but also responding to other things that are going on in the market. So the absence of Toys R Us in the market in the US this mm. year has seen an explosion. Even in Best Buy, there's a big toy section which they played with putting at the front of the store and then they moved to the back of the store. But people are seeing those opportunities and, and trying to capitalise on them. Interesting. I, I, I walked into a, um, is it a Barnes & Noble bookstore the other day and it was like they had a floor full of toys. So yeah. these things have a knock-on effect, Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, I'm pick up on something you, you said a few minutes ago, uh, the rate at which you were seeing Alexa devices fly off the shelf, because if there's one trend which is bubbling under, and when it really happens, it's going to be huge, and that seems to be voice. How's voice going to affect shopping? So I think in, in it's going to follow a similar pattern to how the internet it, it affected shopping. Um, the easiest things to sell on the internet when it first started were homogenous products, books, DVDs, CDs, and so on. Um, and then it went into grocery, because well, again, that's pretty homogenous and that is pretty price related. So I imagine that voice shopping is gonna be a little bit like a dash button that Amazon have, where you're buying homogenous products, and you'll say, right, Alexa, deliver me something pretty homogenous. I think yeah. then, as people start to master and get comfortable with using voice, then they'll start to look at more complex buying things like read me a review about the best televisions I think that's somewhere away but it's certainly something that we're aware of on our horizon and we expect to happen probably in a shorter time than it took the internet to get consumers there but probably in the same sequence things happen seem to happen faster every time they happen exactly yeah this seems to me that interesting what you say about the homogenous product because that's that's a threat to a lot of uh, brands if voice gets stuck in that rut because if what you're using voice for is to buy I don't know 
toilet paper or disinfectant or soap or something like that and you're talking to Alexa bet your life Amazon's going to have their own brand and just like that yes so uh, I th I yes whether they will across all those homogenous mm -hmm. products um, I don't know um, but the thing is people still have their own preferences supermarkets did the same thing and you actually could see them next to each other and compare the price yeah uh, with voice I suspect what it's going to do is create more stickiness with the brands that people are already comfortable with. I think it's going to be difficult for Alexa to talk you out of buying your own favourite brand of toilet paper to right. buy another one on the merits just purely of price. So it's going to be Alexa, get me some Colgate toothpaste yes. rather than just get me toothpaste. Yes, or you'll just say get me toothpaste but it will know it what will your know. preferences are because you've ordered it before. Very interesting. And the other big challenge uh, which is evident to me with voice is, is search, discoverability because you know, we're all so used to typing search queries, you know, using a keyboard, and we can make them quite elaborate, you know, a whole string of words. How's search going to work for voice in, a, in an e-commerce context? Yeah, so I think it's going to have to be much more natural and, and, and linguistic. So you're right, we don't type as we would speak mm. things, but I think that that's where, and, and Google's got a lot of practice with this, because in other evolving nations, people use search, uh, voice search, much more than they do a keyboard on really? their phone. Yeah, so that. there are markets where search is more prevalent than people actually typing stuff in, particularly on mobile devices. Mm. Um, so I think it's probably in the background learning how that's going to work and how that translates from written content to translate that into voice to, to pass it back on to the, to the user. So what should marketers, people involved in e-commerce, what should they be thinking about in terms of preparing for, for a world where, where voice is dominant? Um, I think it's going to be about accessibility. How accessible is your content going to be when um, the Alexa device or whatever it is, the Google Home device, um, is the, the main focus point to access the internet? Um, how do you translate your content into a way that it's easy to play back? And how do you forge those relationships with those companies? Because let's face it, Amazon now is a data company and it's a media company. Yeah. Uh, as much as it is a retailer. So how do you forge those connections so that your content is accessible and is performs very, very well so that it is the preferred choice for Alexa to pass on? So there's lots of people out there that will have products or, or content. How do you make sure yours is the best when it translates into voice? And there's also, I mean, as I see it, I don't know if you'd agree with this, uh, a real... A real kind of mandate for marketers to ensure that their brand really is recognizable, is liked by customers, has a relationship with customers. Because if you don't fit that sort of frame, customers are going to go the route of the route of least resistance and just buy from Amazon or Walmart or whatever. Um, yeah, so I think that's the, the, the important thing there is to make sure that your brand is out there on all channels. The more, the more people see it across all of the different channels, um, the more likely they are to recognize it and, and call for it. Um, but of course you still need to have the relationships with the big, the big brands yeah, that, that are out there well. selling it. Yeah, yeah. Jason, fantastic insights. Thanks for sharing this. And I think we both agree. I'm not sure when voice is going to happen, but it is going to happen. It's going to be huge. Definitely going to happen. It's definitely going to be big, yes. <laughs> okay, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Us.